Hello, and welcome to season two of the Heart Failure Beat Healthy Living, a podcast brought to you by the Heart Failure Society of America. I'm Laura Poco, Director of Marketing and Communications for Heart Failure Society of America, coming at you during Heart Failure Awareness Week 2021. On today's episode, four providers will discuss COVID-19 nearly one year in, how it's impacted the world of heart failure care, and how we move forward with the vaccine. And we're joined by four providers who have experienced it firsthand over the course of the last year. Our conversation will be led by Dr. Aaron Gorodeski, Medical Director of the Advanced Heart Failure and Transplant Center and the James and Angela Hambrick Center for Cardiac Recovery at University Hospital's Harrington Heart and Vascular Institute. Dr. Gorodeski is also an active member of HFSA and the current chair of the Communications Committee. He'll be speaking with our guests, including Dr. Emily Benton, a nurse practitioner at the University of Colorado in Denver, Dr. Jonathan Rich, Associate Professor of Medicine at Northwestern University, and Dr. Jenny Thibodeau, Medical Director of Heart Failure and the Interim Section Chief of Advanced Heart Failure, VAD, and Cardiac Transplantation at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center. I'd like to welcome all of our guests and turn it over to you, Dr. Gorodeski. Thank you very much, Laura. I'm very happy to be here today, and I'm very happy to welcome three guests who are uh, expert heart failure clinicians from around the country who have all had a tremendous amount of experience taking care of patients with heart failure during the pandemic. And we're going to get some insights from them about what it's like to, to be practicing medicine and cardiology during this era. Let me start with you, Dr. Benton, in Denver, Colorado, can you give us some insights about how the pandemic affected care for patients with heart failure in your part of the country? Yes, thank you for having me today. COVID, much like all over this, the U.S., it just really greatly impacted all aspects of care for heart failure, for transplant, for everything. I would say at the first wave, what patients what we saw was that they avoided coming in because they were so scared of getting this and their heart failure actually took a big hit. They were sicker when they came in afterwards. And from the provider aspect, we were begging people to come in to get checked because we knew we didn't have beds to be able to hospitalize them. And we were trying to prevent them from coming in. But once we got past that fear of coming in and getting treated, they were able to turn around okay. And the patients had to buy into the fact that they still had a sickness that needed to be treated, regardless of what the pandemic was doing. So we saw a large avoidance of care at the beginning. And then afterwards, people were coming in super sick because they avoided care. And so that created a whole other area in the hospital and in clinics, stretching providers that were already thin because of the COVID pandemic. And so our message changed to the second surge to still come in, to still treat your diseases that are going on. And it's safe, wear your mask, still social distance and wash your hands, but it's okay to come in and see your doctor. And I think as we're coming out of the second surge now, We have a lot more confidence with patients. They trust us. They trust the system. We're still scared of this virus, but we're able to still treat and manage human beings apart from pandemic. So there's a lot of emotions that went into this and still coming out of it, but we still have to remember that there's a lot of chronic illness that's going on outside of this pandemic. Yeah. This whole observation that patients, especially patients with cardiac disease, avoided care is really scary and 
There have been a bunch of papers published showing that around the country. Dr. Rich, did you see that in Chicago as well? How has the pandemic affected care for your heart failure patients in Chicago? Yeah, I think that Dr. Benton made some really excellent points and they resonated with me as well. We, we had some very similar experiences. I think at the beginning, when the pandemic was hitting, you know, our first priority naturally was to protect everybody, protect patients first and foremost, protect staff. We needed to make sure we had enough uh, protective gear, masks for everybody. And so there was a pretty dramatic drop off in terms of the number of patients we were taking care of at any given time in the hospital or even in the clinic. As Dr. Benton mentioned, patients were afraid to come in, and we were also wanting to be sure that we weren't exposing them to risks um, given their underlying conditions. But together, I think patients and, and providers alike, I think we started to learn together that if you use proper precautions, not only can you come into the hospital to see your doctor to get your necessary test, but you really need to, uh, because anyone out there who's living with heart failure knows how tenuous of a condition it can be. And, you know, sometimes it's all about good days and bad days, good weeks and bad weeks. It's a chronic condition that when, when well-managed can typically be, be under control, but let's not lose sight of the fact that heart failure is an incredibly serious condition. And irrespective of whether we're, we're faced with a, a challenging pandemic or not, we all have to be on our toes and work together to ensure patients continue to have the best possible outcomes. And so I think once we learned from that in the initial surge, this sort of next stretch of, of surge that we've all been faced with across the country, I think uh, patients, providers, family members, and clinicians alike have gotten a little more comfortable. No one wants to, 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 for this to feel comfortable in the way that we want this to continue. But I think we've all sort of started to figure this out. And it's just a testament to our patients, their family members, and the whole healthcare team, how we're all able to come together during such a challenging time for everyone and still deliver the best care uh, we possibly can. Dr. Thibodeau, Dr. Benton and Dr. Rich kind of hinted to the fact that the way healthcare systems and doctors and clinicians have been practicing medicine has kind of changed from the beginning of the pandemic and then, you know, over time. Have you seen that happen in Texas? And how has the pandemic led you specifically to practice medicine in a different way? Sure. So as both of them have mentioned, early on in the pandemic, we had seen what happened in New York, we had seen what happened in Washington. And so when we started seeing COVID in our area, we canceled all non-urgent visits. We only had people coming in that needed to come in for about the first month or so. But that allowed us to then quickly pivot our model because we knew that we needed to still see patients. We knew that patients with chronic diseases needed to be seen. They needed their maintenance visits to keep them healthy and keep them out of the hospital. So we were able to quickly develop and change our models to not just an in-person care, but to more of a virtual model where we could see patients virtually on videos or by telephone to be able to provide continuity of care and take care of their needs. Seeing your doctor on video is different. Uh, most patients have never tried that before. Can you, as a, as a heart failure cardiologist, do a good job figuring out what's wrong with patients? How do you view that whole thing? Absolutely. And I think that part of the hesitancy with using virtual care is people 
don't believe that you can do a good job of assessing patients, but there's so much of the physical exam that we can do virtually. We can look at neck veins, which is all of our heart failure patients know when they come into clinic, we have them lie on the exam table. We look, have them turn and look at their neck. We press on their bellies and see their neck veins go up or not. You can do that virtually. You can do that on video. And that's one of the most important things that we do to assess their volume status. We can also look at their legs for swelling. We can have them lay down on a couch and see if they develop um, shortness of breath when they're lying flat. We can have them walk through their house and see if they develop dyspnea or shortness of breath when they're exerting themselves. Um, So there's a lot of the physical exam that we can do with them being at home and to do so safely. So I think that we really can adequately assess patients to determine if they need to be coming into the hospital, if we need to adjust medications, if it's safe to go up on medications and improve their health. I'm a very big proponent of using virtual care and plan to do so even when this pandemic is resolved. Dr. Gordusky, if I can actually um, jump in on that as well, because I want to echo what Dr. Thibodeau said. In fact, I loved when she was uh, talking about looking at uh, the neck veins. I think the most common question I get when I'm seeing a patient in the office and I'm examining them is, uh, Dr. Rich, what's wrong with my neck? Because I'm, you know, sitting there staring at it and finding the right angle. And then they're surprised. I spend a minute looking at the neck veins and about five seconds listening to their heart. And anyone who is a heart failure clinician sort of knows that, yes, uh, the, listening to the heart's important, but there's actually a lot more that we need to do. And, and as Dr. Thibodeau said, you can do that on, on a video uh, visit. And also, I just love that we can include more family members in the visit. It seems to be much more challenging for patients, you know, caregivers or loved ones to accompany them to an inpatient visit and take off from work and and, and all the challenges that occur there. We can kind of all gather in in a virtual format and get all of the questions asked and answered, uh, do a pretty reliable physical exam and have everyone in the family involved as well. So I think that has definitely been one of the silver linings of what we've leveraged uh, despite a very difficult uh, COVID pandemic. To add a little bit more to that, I also think that people like it because along with, you know, having to stay home um, and having limitations on what people can do, there's also been a lot of financial impact on our patients. People have lost jobs or if they still have their jobs, they can't afford to take time off of work to come to visit. Sometimes my patients drive for hours to come to my office. And so by allowing us to do virtual visits, they can do this visit during their lunch break or during a break at work, or they can do it at home when their family members are on their lunch break. So I think it's very convenient. And patients, I think, have really enjoyed it. I've also enjoyed being able to see patients in their home environments and see their or their work environments or you know see their pets that they have. It kind of makes it more of a personal exchange. I agree. I think that in my practice, I've used virtual visits more than ever during the pandemic. But I do think that there are a lot of patients who still want the personal touch. They want to be seen in person in the office. So I don't see our field and I don't see my practice personally becoming a virtualist where I'm the virtual heart failure doctor. I still do enjoy very much. And I think it's super important to see patients in person. But I think that my practice in the future is going to change because I think it's going to have to be intermixed. I think that some of the time the visits are going to have to be in person, but some of the connecting visits, maybe to share information or just to catch up or to review medications by video or maybe urgent visits where you can do something by video with a physical exam could be interspersed. Dr. Benton, can I ask you, changing the topic for just a second, social isolation has become very common for a lot of people in the pandemic. 
Have you seen that in your patient population and, and what impact has that had? Yes, we've seen a significant increase in just the mental health, the depression, the feeling of that isolation, and then the amount of death that every patient has experienced. They've know someone with COVID, they've lost someone to COVID, their normal routines of socialization that keep them on board while they're already struggling with a chronic illness that has a lot of limitations to it um, really just starts to add up over time. And so the mental health component, I think now more than ever in our, in our faculty meetings and our floor meetings, it's really become a big focus on how do we treat this and how do we move forward with this? It's acknowledging, I think there's a grieving process that everybody's gone through, both patients, providers, everybody has lost a lot through this. And so we're doing all these virtual visits and now you get these inpatient visits. And a lot of that time is spent on vocalizing these things. And it's a kind of a therapy session to get all of this out. And there needs to be a lot of validation and an acknowledgement of what went on in there. And so, but it's a huge impact. And I think it's going to take a lot longer than just a a single visit or a couple of months or a medication to get past because there's still a lot of fear um, through this. So definitely not a short-term thing that we have to focus on. Dr. Thibodeau, if a patient with heart failure had COVID and recovered and and they come to you and to your clinic and what are the kind of things that that they're worried about and what are the kind of things that you're worried about in somebody with heart failure who had COVID? Well, I think even if you recover from COVID, you can still have some long lasting effects from it. You can still have some lung damage that you might still have shortness of breath for months. Obviously, when you have shortness of breath from lung damage and also from heart failure, that can kind of be a a mixed picture and it will be up to us as clinicians to help figure out what's causing the dyspnea and how we can help improve them. For people who who are more active, there's also consideration of when can they return to their normal physical activity. And we have to think about potential damage to the heart that can develop from an infection like this. Some people think that once they've had COVID, that they no longer are are at risk for getting it again. So I think that we also need to educate people to make sure that even though you've had COVID, you can still develop this again. We still need to do all the same precautions with social distancing and masking and limiting our activities. And then now that we're able to, um, we also definitely want all of our patients who have heart failure to get vaccinated. How about you, Dr. Rich? What what are you educating patients with heart failure as it relates to COVID? Yeah, I mean, I think Dr. Thibodeau hit on the key points there. You know, I think that it's really striking the balance. Tongue in cheek, I think a lot of us have talked about the COVID-19 and COVID-19 as in the 19 pounds uh, we've seemed to all put on over this time. You know, we talk to our patients and we encourage them to diet and exercise and and lose some weight. And that's hard enough for all of us. I think as I can, I'll tell you as an individual who is definitely on the spectrum of having put those 19 pounds on, I sympathize even more with my patients who I've generally asked uh, of them to do a little bit more. Now they have to stay inside and be isolated. And, and just so (laughs) it's just been so tough, but it just, I think our, our patients inspire us because of everything that they have to deal with. But I think the key points here are exactly that, you know, look, you have to still take precautions. But you know, it's so interesting. The places where it seems like the spikes in COVID cases occur seem to be everywhere other than typically hospitals and places like that because the enforcement of masks and distancing is just emphasized to such an extent 
that, you know, and I remind patients that the virus is not just floating in the air. And so you can go outside, you can take a walk, you know, when you go somewhere, you know, you wear a mask, you can still be healthy, you can still stay active, you can still get that fresh air, you know, Dr. Benton hit about the mental health piece, we can't forget about that as well. So we have to strike the balance between wearing our masks and staying away from crowds and staying safe but also keeping our eye on the bigger prize, which is still, you know, maintaining a good quality of life and, and trying to live a long and prosperous life at the same time. So if somebody has already had COVID, as Dr. Thibodeau said, that doesn't mean that they can't get another variant, doesn't mean that they can't get influenza. We still have to be careful in general. And I'm glad that she mentioned the importance of vaccines, because if we have time, we probably should talk about that at some point, how, how important that's going to be for everybody. Yeah, well, well, let, well, let's talk about that. And let, let me open it up to either one of the three of you that wants to answer. But we've seen very worrisome surveys of Americans suggesting that a high percent of people will, will refuse to take the vaccine if offered to them. We've even seen amongst certain pockets of healthcare providers, especially post-acute care providers, that only about 50% have taken the vaccine so far. So what have you been telling patients? Is it safe for a patient with heart failure to get the vaccine? Is that something that, that they should do? I can start with this one. Going back to, again, what Dr. Benton was saying with mental health, one of the ways that I stayed engaged with my family and friends when I couldn't see them in person was still maintaining a lot of social media presence and talking to people on FaceTime. And one of my favorite memes that I saw on Facebook, which really just made me laugh for days, was a meme that was talking about people being scared of getting this new type of vaccine, while me and my doctor friends were all like, I want this vaccine so bad, I would take it in my eye. And to be honest, I really would. I was so excited about getting it when it was my opportunity to get it. My husband's also a physician, and the two of us had bragging rights about who got vaccinated first. I did, by the way. And so I, I think, you know, there. There's fear because it's unknown. There's fear because people get side effects. I did get side effects with the second dose, but you know what? You get side effects for a couple of days and you're now protected from this virus. You're alive. You're not sick. This is a million times better than if you were to one, get sick and recover and still have lasting effects from the illness or two, get the illness and not survive it. So I would encourage absolutely everybody who's able to get this vaccine to 100% without any thought, get the vaccine run to get the vaccine. And we all need to be encouraging patients and friends and family members to do so. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. There's a, a lot of perhaps myths out there, and I'm not sure that you know we need to go into all of those. But there's no doubt that anytime you hear about something that's called Operation Warp Speed and it involves your health, there's that natural inclination of, well, is is warp speed? Is that too quick? Are we sure it's safe and effective? But it's really actually unbelievable how safe and effective the vaccines appear to be. Like Dr. Thibodeau, I also signed up as quickly as I could, did fine with, with, with both. And, you know, one of the things that I would just, I guess, remind patients is that not only is it safe, not only is it effective, not only is it going to give you an opportunity to get your life back in the way that you knew it and, and enjoyed it, but also put it into some perspective here, not just the risk of if you got COVID-19 compared to the very, very small risk of side effects or adverse events to the vaccine, but think about the things that we ask of, of our patients regularly to get a heart cath procedure or, or whatever we, we do. I mean, the risks associated with those, which are also small, 
are probably still so much higher than the risk of a vaccine. So the risk-benefit ratio, which is what we frankly have to deal with in general terms all the time, getting this vaccine when it becomes available is going to be the among the safest, healthiest, and wisest choices our patients living with heart failure can make. Thank you. Dr. Benton, any closing words? No, I think that was perfectly stated. And I, you know, I would just say from watching the first wave of our healthcare providers getting vaccinated out here, you know, there is a lot of apprehension about it. But I would say, I think as a public, we've lost hope. We forgot what hope looks like and we forgot what it feels like to be excited and to have an agenda outside of work or home that you can go meet up and go to dinner and not feel this looming sense of contracting something that could kill you. And so over the past, you know, six weeks with this vaccine, I feel like there's an excitement in the air. There's a potential that life could get back to normal. And from a provider to a patient, I think we can't stress enough that if there's any form of preventative illness that we could do, this is one of those things that is a game changer. And to see all the death that we've seen with this virus, and we've not seen this with the vaccine, and to know that it could protect us, that's something that everyone should consider and move forward because we can't stay where we are right now. I think it's good to have this hope again, and I want other people to have it as well. Thank you so much. I want to thank our three panelists from all across uh, the United States for sharing your insights and your experiences in the pandemic. And I want to thank the Heart Failure Society of America for uh, letting us record this podcast and, and share it with you, our, our patients. Thank you so much for, for your attention. Thanks so much, Drs. Gorodeski, Benton, Rich, and Thibodeau for joining us today. To find more resources related to heart failure and COVID-19, visit the Heart Failure Society of America's Patient Hub at hfsa.org forward slash patient and follow us on Twitter and Facebook to see valuable heart failure awareness resources. To all the listeners of the Heart Failure Beat Healthy Living, thanks for joining us and have a great day.